Smart Containers is doing some amazing things in food and pharma logistics. Find out more when I speak to Richard in episode 20. Plus, they have finalized an ICO and are here to talk about it. So it's definitely a must-listen-to episode. So check it out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 20, or you can find it in your iTunes app, podcast app, or any of your podcast apps that you use. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Thank you for joining me today. The show is gaining in popularity, so I am truly humbled by all of your support. There is so much to think about that you need an expert on your side, and that's why Jonathan Gornstein from Colliers is here with me today to give you all of the scoop about the distribution market and whether you should outsource or not. Jonathan is an enterprising visionary, a results-oriented problem solver, and a highly competitive commercial real estate professional. His education, experience, and expertise seamlessly blend together when advising and negotiating wealth-building solutions for landlords and tenants in the industrial sector, including raw land, industrial parks, warehouses, and high-tech properties. As a strategic and driven leader, his primary mission is to gain a thorough understanding of the client's business objectives and formulate strategies based on market knowledge and ensure the client is a step ahead of the competition. Backed by a solid reputation for the utmost integrity and transparency, an extensive network of industry contacts, and a fearless ability to ask the tough questions provides an authentic framework for achieving optimal results. His fundamental philosophy for success uh, includes enjoy the chase, continue learning, present new angles to put in front of clients, adapt to different personalities, and you can't score unless you shoot, which is a word from Wayne Gretzky. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm happy that you're here. So why don't you tell us what you do at Collier's? Uh, So I specialize on the industrial sector of real estate. I work with investors, users, and tenants in the marketplace. And who would be a typical customer for you? Like, are we talking about e-commerce retailers, manufacturers? Who who would you work with? All the above. Anyone who would occupy or have an interest of industrial real estate is who uh, my bread and butter for in terms of a customer would be. Okay, awesome. And how did you get into industrial real estate? I mean, it's such a, I don't think people really kind of look at it as a piece of supply chain. Um, but it's actually a very important part of supply chain, because there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And we're going to talk about that more in the show. But how did you I mean, people fall into supply chain? How did you get into industrial real estate? I think it's typical of everyone who in who's in real estate is you always know someone who's in it. 
Uh, I met uh, a couple of guys who were in commercial real estate. Um, we got along extremely well. And then one thing led to another and they said, you're working on the industrial side. So that's how I got into commercial real estate and then ended up on the industrial side, kind of more of a luck of the draw type of thing. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you're really passionate about it. And uh, I know you, I know you love this part. So um, let's sort of get into the real estate side. What is the current state of the market? And if I'm your customer, why should I care about the state of the market? So right now, the Toronto industrial market is sitting at a sub one or a sub one vacancy rate. Uh, So what that means is there's not a lot of product on the shelves. So for clients, it's getting tougher and tougher to find um, buildings where they can actually put their business. Um, typically, in the past, let's say let's take let's take a fifty thousand square foot user. About four or five years ago, we would run a survey. Uh, there would be ten options. But if you did that that exact same survey, you're probably looking at one or two different buildings right now. That's crazy because I know before we had sort of, I thought we had a, a plenty of space. How does that differ from the U.S. market? So depending on obviously the market in the U.S., um, but majority of the markets um, are sitting at a 12 to 15% vacancy. So typically um, users or consumer users or manufacturers have uh, the pick of the litter in terms of buildings and and options to pick from uh, to put their business. So I guess if I'm a U.S. company looking to come into the Canadian market, it's going to be a bit of a shock because there is a huge difference between what they're used to, maybe where they are located in the States versus what we have here in Toronto. Yeah, absolutely. So it takes a little bit longer to get things done or to identify a building that actually works for 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 the user. So that sort of takes me into my next question, which is around planning, um, especially when they're coming into the Canadian market. Um, you know, how early in advance do I need to start looking for a building and, you know, to maybe lease or to buy and, and sort of what does that look like? So on the buying side, typically in the Toronto market can take anywhere from one year to two years, depending on how specialized the asset is and, and the if that particular size comes available. Um, and then on the leasing side, uh, again, depending on the size, um, a U.S. Uh, client could take anywhere from six to a year and a half to uh, identify a building that that could be suitable for their needs. Wow, that's a long time. Absolutely. So that just that just goes back to how tight the market is and how um, how much you have to forecast your your demand for real estate in in the Toronto market. Yeah, and as a supply chain professional, you know, a supply chain management professional, that's some essential information that I need to know when it goes into, you know, my forecasting over the next four or five years or just my planning within the next year. And, you know, where are the companies going? Are we expanding into Canada? Are we not expanding into Canada? Well, if we're going to expand into Canada, we definitely need to get in touch with somebody who knows the market um, and start looking. Absolutely. Sooner. 
Absolutely. That's crazy. Okay. So um, I know that there's a lot of different companies. I mean, that you work with, you work with manufacturers, you work with retailers, maybe on the e-commerce side. Um, so I think there might be a few different approaches for this that maybe you can give us or a few different scenarios. But if my company is looking to enter um, a new market. We've been talking about the U.S. to Canada, so let's you know sort of keep it on trend. Um, how would I, as a you know manufacturer retailer, how would I approach that? I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd get in touch with somebody like you as an expert in the market um, to really be able to you know get that ball rolling. Um, but at what point do I get in touch with you? And, you know, I, I also know that there's, you know, testing the market, there's, you know, coming directly into the market, you know, so give us an example of, or not an example, but give us an idea of both scenarios and how you would fit in and, and what that approach looks like. I think the first thing that you need to, I guess, to answer your first question, how early should you engage a real estate broker? I think as early as possible, because the more information that you have to make a decision and, and you have their input and you understand the market, they can really bring that to your discussions and, and plan and help you plan for this big, this big move. Um, in terms of a process, I think it's, you, you really need to identify um, what the needs are for the company. What are the growth strategies? Um, uh, what type of products you're going to be um, um, warehousing? Where can these products or, or, or what type of zoning you need. So all these things need to take into account and that a broker that really understands the market to, can, can bring that to the table. Okay. And what if I'm just looking to test the market? Tell me how that would, that kind of scenario would, would, would go. When you say test the market, just understand rates and, and what type of, what, what a deal structure would look like. Yeah, or even if I just wanted to test the market, like if I'm an e-commerce business and I wanted to just test the market um, in Canada to sort of see how it goes. So I'm coming into the market. I don't necessarily want something permanent. I don't want to sign something for a long time, you know, and then maybe I'm taking a look at a 3PL. You know, would you get involved with something like that or do I just sort of go into it and, and find a 3PL? Absolutely. To get have your real estate broker get involved in these discussions because one of my jobs is really understanding who's in our market in terms of 3PLs and what they do well. And then I can really bring that to your conversations and I can help you direct, um, I guess, your requirement in the right direction. Um, so if you're looking to test the market, as you mentioned, uh, I can, based on your needs, I can put you in contact with the right 3PL. You may want to, uh, I guess, set up like a, a one-year or two-year contract and quote-unquote test the market, see how things go, and then you can decide if you really want to invest in, in, in a, bigger, uh, a bigger structure within our market. Yeah, and I think that's really important for SMEs um, because they might think that they're too small. 
um, to engage with a real estate broker like yourselves. But I also think that it's important to point out the different conversations that you're going to have with the different players. So if they have a conversation with you, it's going to go a lot differently than the conversation that they have with the 3PL because the 3PL is going to go through, you know, how many shipments are coming in, you know, every week, how many shipments are going out daily. Um, you know, what that looks like for inventory turn. Because those are the types of things that they're going to be interested in. Whereas you as a real estate broker, you're asking different questions. You're asking, okay, where is my uh, workforce? Which I, I wanted to ask you about because I think that that's a key component um, to sort of where people look for their real estate. And we'll get to that in a second. But you're considering, you know, not only the workforce, where they're going to find their talent. Um, you're also taking a look at, you know, where are the closest, maybe last mile delivery, um, DCs, you know, for FedEx or UPS or, you know, um, what else, you know, as a real estate broker, you would have a completely different approach and what would you be asking them? Just what, uh, really what the plan is and what the targets are, um, moving forward, um, like for example, let's say they only need ten thousand square feet uh, to to service the Toronto market. So, just being a broker and being uh, knowing what three PLs are up to, uh, we typically know which three PLs have holes within their warehouse and spots that they need to fill. Uh, clients could also leverage that information by getting a better deal rather than a three PL approaching them directly. Um, and then you can really leverage um, other 3PLs against each other to really get the best rate. Um, and then you asked the second part of that question, which uh, you want to repeat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, you take a different approach from a 3PL as to, you know, what questions you're going to be asking that customer. I mean, you take into consideration, you know, um, uh, location, you take in consider into consideration, you know, labor force, whereas maybe the 3PL might not. Um, maybe other things to consider are the future. You know, if you are going to potentially go out and look for your own real estate um, at some point, you might want to consider where that 3PL is so that it's not a huge move and different things like that, right? Yeah, like you hit the nail on the head. Like one of the key drivers of real estate today is obviously labor um, one of the new emerging markets in the GTA is Milton, and there's been a lot of backlash from users because of the labor force isn't as strong as a Mississauga or a Brampton. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of the key elements that people look at, uh, highway access, how long does it take to get on and off the highway? All these types of things will take that uh, a broker that's familiar with the market should identify and bring that to your attention. Yeah. And I have different, I mean, we're not talking about um, talent shortage today, but I have some definite opinions on that because I also feel like on one hand, they're complaining about talent shortage in Milton, but then on the other hand, they don't have enough time to go through the resumes and actually consider some of the candidates that are applying for the jobs. So anyways, that's a discussion for a different day. Just another point before um, we move on. Um, a lot of 
it, it's also important to know who is competing for these staff. That's another lot of uh, a lot of to- big topic of conversation is who other uh, what other companies are in the area and hiring these, this this pool of staff and if is there enough to cover all these warehouses that are be- being built in a particular area. Yeah, that's a great point because you don't really even think about it. I mean, sometimes you you want to be in a place where, you know, maybe there's a big name or, or something like that, but maybe they have a huge warehouse and they need a lot of stuff and they're, you know, going to be taking over sort of that talent pool that you have access to as well. Absolutely. That's also a very important element to, to take into consideration. It's not just always about the, the building. It's also the, everything that goes into the building. Yeah, and access points and different things like that. Great point. So um, do you want to give me a real-life example of how you have helped the company, maybe from start to finish? Yeah, so there's a U.S.-based company um, who want to service their um, e-commerce customers um, in the Toronto market by opening up a warehouse in Toronto. Um, they were in the early early stages of their um, infancy of their e-commerce. They really didn't know how much of, of the business would grow over the next couple of years. And they were really, originally when I first thought, started talking to them, they, they really want to get their own warehouse, manage it themselves and essentially do everything themselves. Um, and then we started to get into the market and, and I started to explain that um, our market is a little bit different than their current market where they can't just go in and sign a lease for one to two years. Like that, that that's non-existent in our market. Um, given that the market is so tight, landlords are really pushing back on that type of stuff. And uh, the minimum deal that you'd have to commit to is probably about a five-year term. Um, so that really didn't fit their business model because they really didn't know how long or, or how their business would grow over, over a five-year span. Um, so I went back to them after understanding their business and their growth plans is probably the, the right decision was partner up with a 3PL, let them manage it, uh, get your get your inventories really turning. And then after you see um, more flat in your sales, you can go out and acquire real estate that better fits your requirement rather than going too small and then making an adjustment two or three years down the road. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, you know, especially with a with a three PL and and versus getting your own space. I mean, it's and then also they have to come with the decision. You know, do we go East Coast versus West Coast? And then that gets into a whole you know a whole a whole another area as far as customer. You know, where's your customer on the East Coast, West Coast? Because it is such a big company uh, country, and um, that's something else that companies need to consider as well. Where you know three PLs have locations in Toronto and Vancouver and can probably accommodate both. Absolutely. So it's a little bit, it's almost like you're walking into an expert of, uh, of who knows how to manage the country is just having one DC and you know, some of your customers are in Vancouver and Toronto uh, might, might not be the best model. You might need, you might require two DCs to service your customers in the proper timeframes that you want. Yeah, and they can give shorter um, terms as well, rather than getting your own your own building, which is which is interesting, right? With a minimum of a five year contract, I mean that's just 
that's just crazy, especially when you're just looking to enter the market. So um, we're going to go back to the market. Um, I know you talked about the fact that, you know, there isn't a lot of space, there needs to be a lot of lead time and a lot of planning coming into the Canadian market. Um, But I remember seeing like I drive around here and I see a lot of signs, um, you know, say for lease and different things like that. So what's the biggest misconception in the market? I mean, it must be that there's a lot of signs, but you're saying that there's not a lot of space. So tell me about this. Well, I think every broker is guilty of, of leaving their signs up a little bit too too late. Hopefully, hope, hopefully they get a couple more leads out of that sign. Um, but it, it, it is a big misconception of the market because when you're in the real estate market, you start to notice signs when you drive around like no one really notices the signs when when they're when they're not talking about real estate or they're really not in the market um so i hear it from clients all the time what do you mean there's no space available um but at the end of the day landlords are, are pushing face rates to astronomical rates um and even from the user who are purchasing buildings? Like I've never seen some of the, the building values that have been that have been trading. Like we're we're constantly seeing high water marks on the leasing rate and on the purchasing side. So it's just the market's continuing to get tighter and tighter, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with everything else that is going on in the market between NAFTA and all these tariffs that that uh, that are that are happening in our economy. What is a high water mark? Uh, in terms of a, a lease rate, so let's say a building trades for $100 and then the new high, new watermark is $110 a foot. So as as a new as a as a trade happens, it's the newest newest um, benchmark within the, within the market. So it's like comparisons in the housing market. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So why should I continually be in contact with my broker, even if I don't have real estate needs right now? You know, it's funny. You should, you should ask that question. And I find that the clients that really keep, um, or myself engaged on what they're doing and what their plans are, I can really look for opportunities within the market, maybe a 3PL or if they're talking, they're starting to talk about finding their warehouse and I see a vacancy that will work for their need. Um, all this, all the more I'm involved in the business, the more I can drive the right information to the to the business owner, and they can make the right decisions. Awesome! I think that's really good to know, especially on the SME side. Um, you know, because sometimes you don't really think about that. You don't really think about you know being in contact and and sort of keeping an eye on the market because you might not need it right now. Um, but so much better to be proactive than reactive. So I hate to wind this down because this has been an awesome, awesome uh, conversation. But what's next for you, Jonathan? I think just understanding how technology is going to impact real estate and how I can bring that to my clients. I think everyone's kind of scratching their head how how real, how technology is really going to change the, or interrupt the real estate game. It's just staying in front of that and adding value to my clients' uh, decisions. So that's interesting that you bring it up. Before I wind this down even more, what do you mean by technology in the real estate market? Can you, you know, maybe give us an idea of maybe some of those disruptions that are coming down? Well, I think anyone with a computer can go on um, any website or any uh, commercial 
brokerage's website and get lease rates. Uh, it's I guess it's 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 coming down to how can brokers really um, add value to the to the process um, and, and be an expert within their their own means um, and bringing that to the client and, and having the client leverage that inform- leverage that 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 value add. Um, I think it, there's no one answer for that for that that value add, but it's for different clients. It's different things. It's finding um, a, um, an opportunity with a 3PL or uh, a new um, technology on picking systems. Like all that stuff is 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 coming into play, and I think it's putting pressure on real estate brokers to really know their stuff and expand their horizon. Because at the end of the day, uh, no one really wants to be a taxi driver just driving around um, and showing people space. It's it's more it's morphed into something a lot bigger than that. Really understanding clients' needs, understanding what's in, out in the marketplace, and delivering that on a on on a, a one stop shop solution for for clients. Yeah, and really being considered as a part of the supply chain. Um, I think that's a really important point to sort of bring up in this conversation today is that, you know, your distribution is an important part of, of your supply chain. And so the the players that uh, play key roles in that for you, whether that's a 3PL, whether that's your own space and the experts, the different experts um, and the different parts of the distribution um, that you ne- really need around you to make intelligent decisions to really design your supply chain and design your distribution. Um, I think that's a really key, key thing to note, a key thing to, you know, sort of realize, especially in the SME space. Um, and it's important to have an expert on your side, like he said, to, to really take a look at the market and help you grow as your company is growing. So there is so much to know and understand about distribution. I hope that John and Jonathan and I were able to bring some into perspective. If you would like to connect with Jonathan, reach out to him on LinkedIn, and I will have all of his information on the website at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 21. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Sarah, thank you for having me and I uh, look forward to staying in touch. If you liked this episode, check out the Design Your Distribution. That's in Season 1, Episode 25. So you'll find that at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode dash 25. Next time on Let's Talk Supply Chain, it is Woman in Supply Chain Series Part 9. But it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be on the show. So, But you're going to want to tune in. You're going to want to hear from uh, this woman in leadership in supply chain. Make sure to tune in to hear about their journey to success and the best parts of what they have done in supply chain. Thank you for tuning into the show each week. And remember to write us a review on the podcast app to be featured in an upcoming episode. Also remember to go to ships.com and sign up to be one of the first to know about the platform I am working on. Another thing you may want to know is that I'm also featuring supply chain stories on the show and in my newsletter. Send it to me at listener at letstalksupplychain.com and I will feature you. I want to hear about inspirational stories in your supply chain, crazy stories in your supply chain, funny stories. Let's keep it clean in supply chain and maybe even some of your successes in supply chain. I can't wait to hear from you. 
And I know all of my listeners are going to want to learn from your story or at least get a really great laugh. So remember to send that over to me. Remember, everybody, ship happens. I wish you a great week and to our success.